Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fae Forge Academy. I am your usually GM, uh, but we are finishing up part two of our Omens Rising one-shot, uh, exploring a shadowy star forest. Um, with me today, we got Ian. Hey everybody, it's Ian. Woo. Adelaide. Hey, it's Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Chris. Uh, hi, it's Chris. And Michael. What it do, it's Michael. And, uh... For the last time for this series, hopefully we'll get to do more stuff with you in the future, Chris. Uh, we have Chris Geary, the lead designer on Omens Rising. Uh, yeah, thank you. Why don't you, for one more time, plug plug all your stuff, let the people know <laughs> where to find you, all that good stuff. Sure, sure. My name is Chris Geary. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Geary. That's K-R-I-S-G-I-E-R-E. You can find me here for one last hurrah. Uh, you'll find me um, starting later this month on Lost Worlds Archives for our sixth and final alpha playtest series, where we're gonna do a mini campaign. It'll be four sessions of gameplay and two sessions of kind of setting things up with character creation and our session zero mechanic. Uh, then you'll find me on uh, Saverick's channel on Twitter, or Twitch, sorry, um, for stories retold on Sundays starting, I think it's either the last Sunday of the month or in September, where we are going to, it's a D&D campaign where we have been summoned to go and kind of quantum leap style jump between stories that you have heard, uh, modules, things like that, because the multiverse is being erased by some unknown force and we are out to stop it. That's cool. That sounds really fun. And put our twist on those stories as well. Awesome. So that'll be fun. And then I've got another project that's not quite off the ground yet, but we're hoping to have Omens Rising and closed beta testing coming up uh, sometime this fall, probably quarter four. Um, but look for that. Uh, there will be a call for channels that want to participate. And so um, be sure to keep an eye on at Omens Rising on Twitter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before we jump in, uh, don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Academy for lots of other fun stuff. And that's a really great way to help us make more content for you to enjoy. Um, and we also are affiliated with Greenleaf Geek, so go to greenleafgeek.com, use the code FayForge on checkout um, for everything except for custom handmade dice. Uh, those take a lot of work and, um, and actually are not cheap to make. So... Uh, you don't get a discount on those, um, but they are absolutely worth it. We all have a set of uh, custom dice for each of our characters, and I have one that's the setting dice that are beautiful. And uh, we've got a couple shows on our Twitch and YouTube channels that are all canon in uh, the world of Avastria. So we've got a Sky Pirates show that's on YouTube, and we are currently running through Kobold Press's Scarlet Citadel um, on Twitch uh, with the best and worst beans at the same time. Uh, so <laughs> check check those out and uh with that uh i hand the uh dm title over to chris
what you all experienced at the edge of the forest has led you actually a little bit um, to what would be the east, uh, northeast, and by following Orid's weather um, tools. And they lead you to a slightly wider opening between the trees uh, than where you had originally arrived. And between Orid's contraption and watching the barometer rise and fall as you get closer or further away from the path you should take, and uh, Zerata's landmarks that you're looking for, three tall coniferous trees that actually stick out above the canopy. They breach the canopy, causing well light to be able to infiltrate in a way that other spots don't necessarily allow for. And this vibe, the, the, the breeze that seems to follow Serene, and each of you can kind of feel it on your skin, and it waves, uh, it, it weaves back and forth as you walk, kind of in that same winding pattern that this contraption um, of Orids is leading you. And there's this sense of direction, of purpose that comes from it. As you're following that, is there anything that you would want to do or look for in particular? And at this case, I'm not really looking for checks. I'm just trying to figure out what is your um, priority as, as a character as you are following the machinations. Two words. Mm -hmm. Sudden movements. Okay. I think um, Fern is really not actually paying as much attention to what's around but trying to pay attention to the state of the other members of the party um mm -hmm. looking to make sure that kind of emotionally and physically that they are as protected as they can be sticking sort of in the middle where he could kind of use his his big arms and big body and just like if anything happened just almost like grab and shield them behind him and then, and then also trying to be as in tuned with, like, kind of the stress level and anxiety of the party. That makes sense. And and whistling. <laughs> Peace and joy. <laughs> uh, it's very Cecil. Go ahead, global press game. So, guess what Orid's doing is he's still paying attention to like the little. Uh, contraption that he has the weather contraption um, if there's any like a time where the weather contraption isn't doing anything he's probably going to switch to his puzzle and start to fiddle with that to think about what mm. uh, is the next best move but uh, until that happens he's just kind of focused on the instrumentation kind of getting lost into it mm -hmm. um, so he's not doing so good about paying attention to the rest of the party members at the moment he's kind of just fully honed in onto the instrument that makes a lot of sense. I think I think as he's honing in on the instrument, Fern Fern would almost like put a put a hand on his shoulders and just kind of like be guiding him, like making sure he's not hitting any trees or anything. <laughs> That's for the best. Uh, you know, like that a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, Orid has really, really, really great sea legs. Land legs, not so much. Land legs. We don't need any Georgia the Jungle moments, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh. oh. Duck your head for a second. 
<laughs> thank, thank you. I think Aisling, Aisling also struggles with focus, but for very different reasons. Is probably fully intended to bring up the rear, but is most likely falling further and further back as every few yards they kind of stop and zone out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of tune back in. And um, I think Aisling is trying to recalling how Fern had started to channel some of the anxiety of the landscape around us is trying Mm -hmm. to not necessarily stay tuned in, but kind of be this almost calming, like reassuring presence to the landscape, like reaffirming that we're here and we're going to do something about it kind of vibes. Um, But constantly getting lost in thought. I'm probably like, by the time we, get anywhere i'm probably like a good 50 yards behind everybody okay um one of the things that um aisling you may or may not notice and that's really up to you chris as to whether or not aisling notices it uh the further you get into the forest the less your awakened awakened self presents and you find your eyes have shifted and your hair is longer. And unless you concentrate on that, it the forest itself kind of encourages that shift to occur. Okay. Uh, I think that... I think that... It's, it's a little hard to explain. I do think that Aisling simultaneously does and does not notice this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... They are constantly in flux, both mm-hmm. physically... And between waking and dreaming, really. So it's not that they don't notice it. It's just so... It's equilibrium for them to not have an equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, a little tuned in, but not super focused on that. So maybe, a, like, not surprised, but not necessarily paying attention. Yes. Dura- like, in intentional attention. Yes. Gotcha. So as you wind your way through the forest, the shadows um, will start to kind of, they feel like they're closing in from the top down Mm. instead of the ground up. It's like they've traversed the trees and are up in the canopy and are now kind of hanging a bit lower than what was described to you previously. There are a... The, the your your line of sight does not actually start to dissipate because of the thick uh, the the thickness of the forest the denseness of the forest but actually because the shadows start getting darker and darker that your um, uh, you know the distance that you can see becomes less and less and while Orid is probably less uh, tuned into this as he's tuned into his contraption and Aisling is further back and is not yet. Well, it'll take a little while longer before uh, they get a chance to experience the same. The other three of you are much more aware of this, especially Zerata and um, your companion there. There is something that is going to intercept, Mm -hmm. but you're not sure what, as it looms over the path you're following. Uh, Zerata's going to put her hand to her blade and is going to uh, activate that bracelet mm-hmm. uh, that uh, she shares with uh, sorry, with Serene. Okay. 
Excellent. Uh, to actually use the magics in it or just to make it ready, kind of ready it as an action? I'm going to say to, to ready it because I'm not sure exactly. Well, this this forest is spooky. I'm activating okay, it. Okay, so for the warding aspect, to pull that ward across? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to pull that ward across, and I'll I'll go ahead and give out, like, a... Uh, you know, like a like a, a sharp, a sharp brief whistle, mm. which my character can totally do because mm -hmm. <laughs> in real life I cannot whistle. Yeah, it's just me, me spitting. Either. So I, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. <laughs> it sounds great. It's like gets your attention, but it's not mm -hmm. too loud. Does that? I'm going to say with that whistle, what is the effect on um, Orid and Aisling? Does it shake you from what you're I, doing? My gut instinct is that it's almost like, almost like, uh, uh, the words are difficult. Mm -hmm. Like a, this sudden sound. This is probably one of the few things or few stimuli that Aisling does not respond very well to. Mm -hmm. um, because although they are constantly shifting, it's always gradual. It's never a hard stop, you know, or a hard shift from one thing to another. Mm -hmm. And I kind of imagine almost like that scene in Fantasia where you're watching um, the sound waves and it trills out really mm -hmm. fast all of a sudden, mm -hmm. like like a bird or something in distress really quick. But it would certainly get their attention for sure. Excellent. I don't think Orid is paying attention to that, I think, because he's lived in ships uh, on mm -hmm. a ship and is around the island, like long distant whistles and horns are kind of makes sense. Yeah. Normal. If if uh, Orid heard like a growl or like uh, 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 some sort of bird cawing or some screech mm -hmm. or something, that's probably what would shake Orid out of what he's doing, but more the human artificially made type of sounds isn't something that concerns him okay what about uh serene or fern i think um fern is kind of in a hyper aware state right now mm -hmm. and so uh and trying trying to keep such a close eye on on the party like seeing zarada like activate this like watched it all happen so the whistle's not surprising uh i think i think He's really shifting his emotional presence um, in an attempt to be a be a um, a source of safety in the middle of this space. Mm. Um, so it's almost as it gets as as the shadows get darker, the whistling gets more peaceful. It he's just like I imagine as we entered this forest, is very happy, kind of jovial. Mm -hmm. To something that's that's more very very like a soothing hum or whistle mm -hmm. um, in the background, um, just like as I imagine as um, oh shoot, where's the names? Uh, like as Aisling gets startled mm. startled by this shift change, uh, just like doesn't say anything, but just like gently puts a hand on their shoulder, um, just sort of that kind of that's that's the presence in the middle of this whole group. Mm. Okay. Now, keep in mind that Aisling had fallen back quite a ways. Um, would would you have fallen? Is, Gum is Gumby on, is Gumby arms is not? 
Stretch Armstrong. Stretch Armstrong. Uh, I take it back. I brought Gumby Arms to the ship. That's my special special item. Well, I mean, I just, uh, we'll we'll work with it. I just want you to know that, you know, we can kind of, do do you want to fall back or do you want to reach out less physically and more metaphorically? I think probably, well, Chris, can you describe physically like what what Aisling would look like? As as they're as they're sort of startled, because that will probably inform what I do. Yeah, um, I think it. As they've been moving further into the forest, they kind of like Chris mentioned. It's it's very much that they are not becoming incorporeal necessarily, but they are really just becoming one with what's going on around them. Like uh, hair is like longer and green. Um, skin almost starting to mimic the tone of the trees around them but once startled it's like a bright flash of like like warning red or blue um how some animals have like warning colors uh it's something like that it's for a split second so if if we're not next to each other you may not even notice because aisling also doesn't talk a whole lot and wouldn't make an audible noise it would just be this um honestly maybe serene would pick up on it this like shift the sudden spike in a little bit of anxiety before it kind of tones back down. But if you're close enough, you would see that or turned around, I guess. I think uh, given that I'm trying to be as aware of everybody in the party as possible, um, I think I would kind of to, to, or it'd be like, maybe keep your eyes up for, for a second, my friend. Uh, And, and, Kind of fall back and take out a thermos of this tea that he packed and just pour pour a small cup kind of as they're walking uh, and hand it to Aisling without saying anything and then just go back into the middle. Yeah, I think Aisling feels pretty calm enjoying this tea. Who doesn't like tea? There you go. Exactly. And Serene. Yeah, I think Serene, as, as new as I am to this land, um, it's kind of less I'm so alert on every detail and more it's very overwhelming so I'm kind of just like we're continuing and I'm just kind of in a almost dreamlike state trance-like state watching and like if something like completely jarring comes out there's you know it'll it'll knock me out of my stupor but the whistling doesn't seem to affect me that much um I don't even seem to realize that we've got a straggler far behind just kind of continuing down the path lost in my own thoughts that works that works so those are excellent preparatory actions and what we're going to do is shift to our um spread there we go ah it's our uh spread that is related to conflict or uh, encounters in general in this case it's conflict and so mm-hmm. you're going to see before you a five-card spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is the first card that's going to be played is going to be played um, and is in reference to what is going to benefit you all in this particular circumstance. And so we have the nine of hearts. The nine is one of the aethral numbers. It is the three threes, the three of threes. In some cases, it's considered a very powerful number. Hearts is emotions. And as Fern has described before, and um, many of you have kind of tapped in, there is this 
anxiousness, this, uh, this um, uh, tension in the forest that is clearly there. And it has an impact on what all of you will experience at this point. Um, you also find um, that it creates in you and in others the um, desire to act. Uh, what that action may be is within your control, but it is something that is potent in its presence. Now, with any encounter, we have two things that are counting down. One of which is going to be, I placed a number on the spread as well. It's the number eight, which is the base challenge rating for what you're running into. And that is three plus the number of party members. So we have five party members, three plus five equals eight. This is what is directly in your way of finishing out the scene. And in this case, it's whatever is within the shadows that is looking to intercept you all. The spread itself counts down the rest of the scene. Think of each one as kind of around. Everybody's going to have some sort of action. We kind of went through preparatory actions of what you were all doing. Um, we're going to take the second half of that and um, I'm going to speak directly to your um, significant items that you brought or the significant items that you had from character creation and if you wish to employ any of those as well. That'll be the second half of what we do. Then I will play cards for those three middle cards and those will basically be rounds that the challenge can go up or down based on your actions and its actions at the end of each round. Um, so that's kind of how that is going to play out. Now, you can, if you choose, any one player at any point in time can choose to, well, actually, before everyone takes their action, you can choose to kick the card down the spread and replace it with one from your hand hmm. by trying to change fate. Okay? So you still have some autonomy here. In that regard, you should know a couple basics about what the numbers mean. So, um, like I said, the nine here is um, about a variety of things, but it's mostly about reaping. It's about some sort of bounty. You're in a situation where you are going to run across some level of, it's reaching the end of a cycle. It is hitting that, that climax before the end of a cycle. So you have entered into a situation that is reaching its pinnacle and if you, as what Fern kind of determined before, don't do something about it, it will either succeed or the forest will react. And that's kind of what's going on there. So we're going to go around and I'm assuming that Zerata at this point is ready to pull their, uh, her blade. Um, and that's kind oh, of yeah. a significant item that um, yes. Zerata's connecting with, with her preparation. Uh, Positioning-wise, is, is Zerata and... Uh, what, what name would we like for the panther? Um, perhaps, like, in quiet moments, you would refer to her, refer to uh, speak to the panther and call it Squishface. Mm -hmm. But its uh, proper name is... Uh, I'm going to be real lazy here. Its proper name is Schmaug. Schmaug. Excellent. So... Um, 
Where are you and Schmaug going to position oneself in relation to everyone else? I'd say that Zerata would be kind of up in the front, sort of keeping an eye out for danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schmaug is probably going to be in the woods a bit off the trail, sort of stalking alongside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's if it's in the spirit of the game, I would uh, be very happy to have Schmaug kind of uh, lay, lay in wait and then appear at a thematically appropriate moment. Perfect. Love it. We're going to run with that. Yay. Um, let's go to... Um, Fern, and as you're kind of gauging what's all what's going on around and everything, where what preparation for intervention by whatever this is are you looking to do? Is there a significant item that you'd like to employ? Uh, I don't think that my significant items would be super helpful in this particular mm-hmm. situation, but I do think well. How 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 close is whatever the danger is near us? Can I get a sense of that? It's just beyond the shadows above and in front, which I'm going to say are around less than 20 yards. Okay. Um, I think in preparation, I will move my way to the front of the group. Okay. Uh, and and give a kind of stay, stay, stay behind me. Mm-hmm. There's something ahead of us. Something that wants to hurt us all i like it and that's and that'll be that'll be i will also um i i'll bend down for a brief moment and i will i'll grab a handful of dirt okay okay and um at this point Orid, i think that your attention would have been drawn by the different movements of people and kind of blocking your path um what would Orid do i don't have any significant items i guess uh that i had before i mean if i was gonna have any sort of Mm -hmm. like improvised weapon or anything it'd be like a monkey ball like a you know those ropes well i don't know if you know but there's ropes that attach to like Mm -hmm. a lead weight and then there's like wrapping around that that's probably what word would have for any sort of weapon on him um that he can use as a weapon so um if that's so you're gonna ready a weapon sort of thing yeah, I'm just going to start whirling mm-hmm. it, uh, trying to use it as, um, using it, whirling it use, causes some distance between me and whatever assailant's coming, and then I just, I'm just going to be waiting to do something, because I don't know what's happening yet. Excellent. Aisling, uh, or Serene? I think, uh, I think this is as good a place as any. Aisling will pull out the sensor that they brought with them mm-hmm. and try to very kind of deftly, as as calmly as possible, shift to the center of the group and activate this crystal so that the light begins to emit and in an attempt to keep this area clear so that people can see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in an effort, whether or not it's successful to keep the darkness from encroaching any further, um, we'll begin to kind of activate this and let this smoke or incense dissipate around. Excellent. And for that one, I would like you to play a card for me. Ooh. Give me a... And and on here, you'll just give me a, an aptitude or draw, up to, draw two. Give me an aptitude that you want to connect it to and what part of self you're using uh, as you activate this. 
Those are the two that I drew. I drew a king of clubs and a three of clubs. Well, clubs is aethral, so if you're looking to protect against something aethral, that king of clubs is a good one. Yeah. And I think that this is, uh, in terms of the aptitude, I don't know, perhaps, I forgot what a lot of these mean. Um, I guess it would either, uh, either um, aethral seems like it might fit here, but I also kind of think subtle might also work because this mm. is not an effort to take up space at all this is mm-hmm. more of an effort to for lack of a of a better metaphor become one with the playing field and mm-hmm. even it out a little bit i like it i like it so i think maybe subtle so what's your base rank for subtle uh it's a three so that's a, a nine, nine. Mm-hmm. gotcha the king is worth 13 so that'd be a 22 okay, okay. And it is a significant item that you brought with you, so that's going to give you a plus one. Okay. That's a 23. Okay. So um, that actually ends up being, uh, we'll, we'll uh, adjust things here in a second. So any, uh, Serene. Um, yeah, so I, as I see the, this crystal glowing, I am also going to back towards the center of everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have any visible weapons, but I do start to rummage through some of my pouches um, mm-hmm. for anything that feels that feels right in this instance. But um, yeah, she's just got her hands in her pockets. Which is okay. A funny image. Well, yeah. But. No, uh, we're gonna we're gonna say that she's rummaging for an alchemical um, concoction that is mm-hmm. in a vial that can be used uh, to disperse aethral energy, mm-hmm. sort of like an anti magic thing. Uh, grenade, so to speak. Okay? Mm-hmm. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds fine. Um, so you're readying that. All right. So at this point, we have the Nine of Hearts. We have the... Uh, with your preparations and multiple significant items being prepared, um, that and a tier two success on the sensor, that's gonna drop your challenge rating to begin with off to down to a four. And each round it's gonna go, or this first round it will go up by one. So it actually will be sitting at a five. So kind of you prep and you can drop the number and then it goes up by one to start the first round. So at this point, what you see happening is above you, uh, two s- large um, spider-like mm. creatures. They look mm. Mm. similar to a person in size, and they have a face that is much more humanoid than insect. And in front of you, you see a shadowy figure within the shadow, so like black on black, and it's much larger we'd say larger than a horse and it too has a humanoid-ish face more shifting drider like but not quite than the other two and as it starts to take shape you see the shadows around it falling away and there is a slight light purple glow from a sapling behind it that is withered but not dead. What actions do you want to take this first round? I think what I'm going to do, because this presence is in front of this, what it looks like a sapling, yeah. right? A sapling, yeah. Said. 
small small tree a sapling um is there bigger trees around the sapling yeah but they their their trunks are probably five to ten feet away so there's this small okay. kind of clearing uh compared to everything else you've mm-hmm. seen uh, about 15 to 18 feet in diameter depending on the place that you were to measure how how tall is the tree uh the bigger trees around the sapling oh they reach um 30 40 feet in height interesting i don't know what's sap- what's defending the sapling and we know that we're here in the forest and there's something going on in the forest mm-hmm. um so maybe the shadow is like trying to protect it but i'm also curious as to why so i think instead of using the monkey ball to fight i'm going to toss it as high as i can to a nearby tree to use it to like swing Mm. like jump up on the rope and swing to get to a closer vantage point i like that um to look at the sapperling uh either if you have me land i'll land next to it or i will um just swing back and forth on this tree right next to it uh, using the monkey ball to kind of see what's going on because i'm not like an accomplished fighter Mm -hmm. uh compared to uh zarada where she has like the huge big old sword i'm mm-hmm. you know more of a strategist so i'm just gonna use my monkey ball to do that if that is a thing yeah and what um aptitude would you like to use that is a good question i will i feel like this is a dynamo thing mm-hmm. um more than anything because yep. it's kind of outside his range but in a rage in his way like uh like he's done he's done this stuff on ships mm-hmm. and stuff but he's never done this in the forest never had to do this against a, 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 a something that looks to be um something that seems to be aggressive or uh combative so mm-hmm. I, i'll use dynamo i i guess okay um so to do that do i need to draw a card draw up two so that'll give you a total of four up two okay so this time i will do it correctly so there's that queen okay so queen of uh, spades and a six of diamond. Six of hearts. Or six of heart, rather. Yeah. You can go ahead and right-click on those and put them in your hand if you like. Uh, unless you plan on discarding one of them, you can just leave it there. Um, and then uh, which part of self? Are you using your physical self, which would be diamonds? Uh, I will be using your adrenaline and kind of like your emotional self the the hype yourself up kind of thing or yeah i think it's physical I okay think it's diamond is physical. and remember um that just as a as a precursor two through ten is what's on the face of it jack is 11 queen 12 king 13 ace 14 joker 15 is what they're worth gotcha so I do I pick one of the cards out of the two I drew? Okay, so well, out of all four in your hand, oh, any of them. I'm gonna pick the uh, eight of spades, or sorry, the queen of spades. Okay, so that's mental, not physical. Oh, sorry, eight, the eight, the sorry, diamonds geez. is what you'd be looking the, for. Um, yeah, the, okay. the ace of diamonds. So go ahead right. and play that, and then discard one. All right, I'm gonna discard the six of hearts. Okay, sounds good. And so the Ace of Diamonds is a 14. What's your base dynamo? Uh, so if I read this correctly, dynamo says it's it's two, but that means it's six. Yep, that's a, ba- that's a point, point value of six, yeah. right? Two, uh, point yeah. value of six. 
Yep. And then diamonds, your your affinity suit is hearts, so we don't get that. So it's still a, a 22. And for a maneuver like this, because honestly, hanging from ropes and swinging on things is not uncommon when you're on ship rigging and things of that nature. Um, I'm going to set the target as a 14 for your... What you're doing is not super easy, but it's not an extreme challenge, which will give you um, a rank two success. And okay. um, you can land next to the sapling if you wish, but it'll place you right behind that larger creature. Mm-hmm. I realize that. I'm doing it anyway. Excellent. Seeing as as Orid is moving quickly towards where these creatures are, mm-hmm. I want to like reach in to the ground almost. Uh, this is JRPG inspired, yep. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some liberties, like literally sticking my hands through the ground and grabbing onto some roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the ground and say and say um, something along the lines of like like I sense your anxiety push that energy towards the shadows that you do not want here and then I want to open my almost like opening up myself to try to absorb as many shadows from this forest um, in a way to like protect Mm -hmm. protect our my, my friends and this forest at the same time and get the attention of these spiders and big figure. Are you willing to die? Probably yes. <laughs> Impair your own connections. Are you willing to take basically yeah. damage to do this? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Nice. Excellent. So what part of self or not what part of self, what aptitude are you going to use for this? Fortitude. Fortitude. Excellent. Is what I was thinking just like this idea of like I and and I did the thing where you said you could raise one and drop another. Yep. Um, so I have a rank four in that kind of okay. the idea of like, I'm just going to absorb whatever I can. So it gives you a base 12. Do you have the circle, uh, the dot next to it filled in? Is it? I do okay. not. So that's, so just that's a 12. 12. And then draw two cards up to four and play um, whatever part of self. If this is the aethral self that you're using to absorb it, if you're trying to take it all physically, if you this is like the, you're connecting through, you know, like a mental telepathic link whatever the case may be. So I think initially I was planning on using diamonds, but understanding how the suits work and everything, I'm actually going to go with the mental self. Okay. um, And kind of try to absorb like the fear and anxiety from the forest and hopefully hope that the forest can fight back, help, help fight back Mm. against these shadows and absorb as much of that. And I am going to, figure out how to play this card off of... Do I just, just drag, drag and out? drop? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to play the King of Spades. Excellent. Go ahead and discard one as well. So you're back down to two. So the King is 13 and plus your 12, that's 25. Um, do you have... Uh, what is your guide, your plus one from the sixth card? You get a plus one when... You gain a plus one to pulls or spreads that include peacemaking. Or building consensus. Okay, um, I'm. I'm not really seeing that here necessarily. Um, if, Same. If you've got, if you've got an <laughs> argument for it, go for it. But um, um, what is your prophecy for your origin card? Your connection to the aether. Uh, land. No, the. But what does it say? Or wait. Uh, 
origin. Every cycle must come to an end, but with each end, the dawning of a new beginning ignites. Your presence is integral to the renewing of cycles and the recharging of Aether. Okay. Um, we're going to go ahead and grant a plus one from that, though. So that's going to give you a 26 to what you're doing here. And um, I'm going to resolve that here in a second. Um, okay. That one is very interesting, and I want to know what other people do first. So we've got... Who else? Uh, we've got Zerata at the at the front. Are you going to move to intercept? I'd say at this point, I mean, this creature is definitely a bit scary, but it's not. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it doesn't seem to be overtly menacing us. It's just appeared. It's just appeared. It's large. It's about 15 feet from you. It is big. It, it's it close. reminds you of the monsters that you have fought in other places. And as I would know, that monsters that I fought in other places have a cause. They don't just come from nowhere. True. Mm-hmm. So to just simply draw my blade against it, who knows, maybe by spilling its blood, that's how they reproduce. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I want to uh, take a moment to kind of like, I don't want to say necessarily make peace with it because I don't think that's really like on the table, mm-hmm. but to... Like, try to, like, uh, let's see here. Mm, it's not really a reciprocity piece. I, I don't want to lean into my, my dynamo health again, but I think that's what would make the most sense is that I am, that I, I'm, I want to look for what is, what is causing this, this creature to have infested this forest, you know, mm-hmm. from, from what, what you know, we understand from from Fen, Fern, Fern. Fen, Stephen, Fern, Fern, from Fern, mm-hmm. is that you know the forest itself is anxious by the presence of these creatures. They're not natural. They're not part of the forest, mm-hmm. so they don't belong here. But yet they have appeared here, probably due to some other situation. So, I think actually I'm going to go with inclusion on this. I have the uh, peacekeeping interpretation. That no matter the situation, we'll be able to see all sides of an issue. Um, and I can maintain partiality in finding a solution. And at this point, I wouldn't say that Zerata is convinced that drawing her blade is uh, falls under the category of finding a solution. Okay. Um, can I tackle this problem from, uh, like, an elucidative or an empath uh, perspective? I don't think I'm really at peacekeeping yet. Okay. So I'm, not, I'm trying to, like, gather information. Um empath elucidative possibly yeah elucidative or empath yeah okay let's go with uh let's go with elucidative i've got rank three in that so i'm gonna go ahead and draw two cards and mm, i'm gonna go for more of an emotional perspective here because all i do is draw aces there you go that's right so that's a 14 Plus, what is your rank three? So that's a base nine. of nine. Uh, I don't get anything else from okay. my uh, from my guide or from my affinity. But your prophecy is playing a role in here, which in this case is going to decrease the difficulty as you're tapping into that okay. part of self. Um, so that's a twenty-three, and um, we're going to go with uh, uh, yeah. So that'd be a fourteen as well. So that's a tier two success. Okay. And um, the the feeling that you get is 
It is greedy, power-hungry, seeking something to fuel it. Uh, is there any kind of indication that I would have as someone who's who's dealt with these kind of with monstrosities before? Is there anything that Zerata would like kind of intuit about like what is it greedy for? Money, blood, power, praise, power. And okay. in this case, it'd be aethral energy. You know from the star from your background, the star forests are filled with aethral energy. Um, in fact, gotcha. if the star that was in the Kiznoex forest had not disappeared, you know that you could technically, if you had the right um, incantation, teleport between star forests mm. by using this the the energy that the star is because it's pure aether. Uh, they're kind of like portals gotcha. between one another. But since that star disappeared around the time of the decimation, um, mm. the Kiznoek are no longer have access to that, and they have to travel like most others. Gotcha. But that that mean there. So would it be? Am I assessing correctly that there would be possibly a star like that in this Absolutely. forest that that this creature has tapped into? It's, well, it's attempting to try and get to. Right, it's attempting to try and get mm-hmm. to. It's actively searching mm-hmm. for. All right, so I'm gonna I want to share that information with the party. Uh, and specifically highlighting the danger that this creature poses to my fellow companions who channel Aether energy because mm-hmm. I would feed off of them as well. Something like, something like um, it's hungry, searching for power. Aether energy must be nearby. If it's gotten so big, look at the size of it. Don't let it get too close. It'll suck. What's another good synonym for aether energy in this world? Suck. It'll suck. It's just, it'll suck the, it'll the suck. essence. It's gonna suck so yeah, hard. The essence. It'll suck the essence right after you, which will also suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Chris uh, or Adelaide. Um. So as I'm standing in the middle of this thing, um, I've I've I don't know if I've ever encountered anything like this before. Um, but I, it, it just, it just... You would not be... You, so Steven just posted the picture of it in our yeah. Discord. Yeah. Not what I had pictured. Way more terrifying. Not a Does friend. it want? Into this. <laughs> Does it want? <laughs> Absolutely, it changed my plans when I saw this thing. <laughs> um, uh, so... She said, no. What I would like to do, what I think she would do, um, I've got my potion in one hand, but I... I don't even know if this is possible. I don't know the balance of this game are yet. Um, mm-hmm. I sh- raise my hand into the air, and I am kind of tracing a what seems to be some kind of mm-hmm. rune in the air. Love it. Um, my goal is kind of like some kind of illusory magic, mm-hmm. um, or like distraction kind mm-hmm. of, Ooh. that would either affect it or our party as a whole. Okay. Since I'm kind of standing here in the middle mm-hmm. of us. Sounds good. Let's go with uh, which which aptitude? Are you gonna just tap into Aethral then? Because you're looking for spells? Are you Um I'm actually mm-hmm. I actually wanna say it might be um I'm I'm a character that all goes on gut mm-hmm. feel, and this thing has like looking at it, it's kind of like struck like a pure sense of fear into myself. Um I kinda wanna go with empath. Okay. Maybe. Um, that sounds fine. Yeah, like I, I, I'm also very nature-based, mm-hmm. and like this thing kind of feels like anathema to what 
would normally be here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of an impact, okay. I think. And that is rank? Rank three. Okay, so that's a nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and go ahead and uh, draw two cards. Okay. Oh, and these are hearts. How very convenient. Um, let's let's go for the big whammy and play and play this king that I've got. It's okay. Hearts. So we've got the king. Uh, that's thirteen uh, plus your nine. That's twenty-two. Um, and yeah, there. What kind of illusion are you looking for? Um, maybe something that. It's less like it's just like we've poofed out of existence, but maybe kind of makes it's a spider. So it's got like multiple mm-hmm. eyes, um, maybe where it's kind of like a blurry kind of vision. Like it looks like there's mm. more of us. Yeah, like a mirror image mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And uh, we will go ahead and do that. Um, and then Chris. Chris, tell me what Aceling's doing. Seeing all of this from the back. Yeah. Well, um, I mean. You've come closer since you started purifying things, but mm-hmm. still further back. Yeah, um, gosh. I think that Aisling, especially getting the information from um, Zarada, is keenly aware that our team may not have the necessarily all of the physical capability to just best this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Aisling is going to move behind it will tie the sensor around them just kind of like loop it over their shoulder like another mm-hmm. so that their hands are free uh will move behind fern is fern did you say fern was kneeling or are they standing is he standing uh kind of in between reach down to like grab it onto um some roots below the ground um but is kind of i, I imagine crouched in a surprisingly ready and strong position for a 70 year old man Perfect, because I is small, so that works out. Uh, I think um, Aisling will, if Fern allows, place a small hand on Fern's back, centered over where his heart would be, and with the other hand will pull out their book, which will flip itself to a blank page, and a script starts to manifest across this page in the same purple color as the crystal that is... Mm -hmm. Um, fueling this sensor and although Fern can't see it Aisling is reading a dream of Fern being successful in this endeavor and is trying to funnel back this supportive energy like regardless of what happens if you have to go you won't go alone so just trying to be a support in this moment for Fern I like it and which uh, aptitude would you like? This one, I think, I think that this one, I was a little torn between motivator and confident, but I feel like I'm leaning more towards confident because I really want, mm-hmm. I really want Fern to, to feel empowered to, to his own best effort in this moment. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to go with confident, which is the, the best thing I am able to do. So that's where I'm going to go. Okay. No, that works. Perfect. Um, and which card would you? Uh, well, draw two cards. Okay. Uh, or I can deal them to you. If yeah. Would you? Because I keep, I keep. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> throwing cards all over the table. <laughs> no worries. There you go. Okay. Let's see. So, uh, I in my hand have two fives, one diamond, one clubs, a diamond, a six of diamonds, and a king of clubs. 
So the parts of self that you could tap into with the cards are going to be either the aetheral self or physical self. Okay. Diamonds or clubs. Clubs being aetheral, diamonds being physical. Or you could use one of the other routes if you wish and get one point from the cards that you have. And just rely on that base rating and give it a slight boost because they're off suit. Okay, gotcha. I mean... Either of the suits you have make a lot of sense, so I don't see a need for you having to do it the other way. Yeah, I think that although I'm not using it, it's not necessarily my base, it's not based in Aetheral, I think that's kind of what's happening here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. So I would say, I guess, the king. Yeah. So that would be a 13 plus a 12 plus 1, right? Because I believe that was... That particular, um, whatchamacallit, um, you have the circle for confident, right? I do. Yeah. So that's another plus one. And uh, so that's a so the circle 26. Would, okay. Yes. I have also, um, and I don't know if this exactly falls under that circumstance, but my book, oh, it's nope, it's a different circumstance. It's a different aptitude. Oh. Yeah, it's a different aptitude that you're using there. I got it. But that's okay. I'm happy with how it is. Um, so, yeah. And then we're going to we're gonna go ahead and add one from your origin card as well. Um, it's not a point, but we're going to add that you cannot fail when the stars align and you find yourself in an unplanned yet fortuitous circumstance. Okay. How this is fortuitous is yet to be seen. <laughs> but... Um, so that's going to give us, in this case, a critical success. So with confident, you can go ahead and mark um, clubs. You are, uh, clubs, yeah. So put a little check mark in the clubs next to confident on your sheet. Okay. And for time's sake, we're going to speed, uh, kind of narratively, speed up the rest of this. So the eight of diamonds, which takes the second place in this uh, circumstance, eight stands for constancy, eternity. Um, it, it represents um, commitment. Diamonds is that of the land, the physical self, and resilience. There is a resilience uh, of the land here in this space that has kept the shadows from consuming it. And as this illusion of you all starts to take Hold and multiples of you show up and not necessarily next to each one of you you're dotted throughout the area um, you will find that the spiders coming down from the canopy are seeking out something to attack and hit illusions with their first foray into the crowd um, some of you will notice that you even moved positions with one of the illusions and are now in a different place, kind of randomizing where you are as another defense mechanism from Serene's magic. Orid, you're still behind um, the spider next to the sapling, and you can see it. its power is actually being siphoned by that large creature that you landed behind. And that's where that purple glow is coming from as it's pulling off the sapling and into the creature itself. You're not sure if it is, if this tree was always a sapling or if it has been basically pulled back to that, um, that age as its power has been 
stolen by this being. Zerada, you and the panther Schmog engage with the creature and you find yourselves mm. slowly hacking away at the aetheral presence of these beings. And mm. this is when, Fern, I need you to choose which of your connections are you basically sacrificing to help the forest? <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to sacrifice. It's 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 the connection section, yep. right? I think I think well being. Well being. Um, though I I do think it is more mental well being than physical, from what you've been describing. Oh, that's perfect. So, because of the bolstering that Aisling gave you, you're only going to take a second tier or a minus three impairment. Uh, to your well-being. Okay. And on the second page in Path to Restoration, you can write down what that might look like. What is it that's needed in order for you to um, repair that damage? And obviously there's going to be some tea with that tea set involved. But <laughs> beyond that, uh, think of a, a tier two, a minus three as something that um, is going to take more than a shorter long rest. It might take a week or so. Um, so this could be like a series of meditations. This could be a reconnection with something of importance that you have to travel to. Anything of that nature that's not an instant fix, but something that exerts some effort to repair. Yeah, I think I think it would have to be... So in my interpretation of my health... Mm -hmm thing uh, i put recharging the aether and connecting with the land as the land recharges mm -hmm. i do mm. um and so i think it would be finding a place where um like the aetheral presence is healthy and strong and thriving mm -hmm. um and spending spending a week or so like meditating and um i like it letting the land reheal myself so you can write that in that path to restoration in your character sheet on the second page as what your character would need to do and with the success levels that you all had, you've basically taken care of all of the points that were left. And that would, uh, with this flurry of actions that you all have described, eliminate the immediate threat. And mm. the shadows start to fade. And the aetheral energy, those of you that are much more attuned to it than others, would see it kind of um, like being knocked off of each one of these uh, beings with uh, any sort of co uh, combative engagement um, as the next card that's played is the four, the card of balance and the suit of clubs, which is Aether, as the balance of the Aether in this space is returning. Mm. And the connection between, well, all of you is what you're looking for Spades being mental or of motivation uh, as well, and of the sky. And in this case, it's that motivation, that feeling of purpose. Your connection to your purpose or to your guide is bolstered. And for the next, we'll say, in your, until the end of your next encounter, you would gain another plus one any time that you invoke your sense of purpose or your guide um in any way so that would be a plus two instead of a plus one with that bonus from your guides card until the end of the next encounter whenever that may be 
And then last but not least is the Queen of Hearts, the nurturer, the wise. And as the uh, shadows leave, Orid, you will see next to you the tree, the sapling, start to regain its shape. And through some ministrations from the cleansing herbs and um, protecting it from being um, siphoned off any further and kind of, you know, keeping or being an intervening force, you would find that the tree itself is actually much larger. It's much larger than the rest and it pierces the canopy and spreads out. And in its base, there is an opening like a knot hole the size of a doorway that leads to the center of the forest like a pocket dimension within the forest trapped within it are the wardens of this forest (laughs) the two spiders that uh, that came from the canopy as the shadows unwrap them are two of the wardens that were captured by this creature and distorted and you learn from them that this was an uh, aethral projection of Corval. Corval is a known uh, monster of the lands but typically further south in the continent and as mm. that name comes up it all makes more sense to the Kiznoek because you all have heard of it. Corval lives in the volcano south of your forest. Mm. This is the first time either of you have seen Corval. But you've heard of him. Tales don't do the horror justice. And we will wrap up with tea as it's shared with the wardens. Thank you all, and I'm sorry that we ended up having to rush a bit, but I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes. That was a great oh, yeah. It was really, really fantastic. I can't wait to play this game more. Um, <laughs> it is a very yeah. unique concept. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the card line yeah. a lot. So, so, Chris, thank you for sharing your game and your skill as a GM and, and writer and, and designer. Um, Listeners, please go follow at Omens Rising uh, on Twitter. Keep track. I think, I mean, this is this is just the alpha test. This game is going to grow and polish. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you're, I don't think you're going to want to miss it. Also, we got a sneak peek at a little bit of the art, and you're not going to want to miss it's that so either. Oh, my good. God. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nightmare fuel. But, yeah. <laughs> but with that... Uh, Next week, we are returning back uh, to Fayforge Academy and uh, D20.
date night. So uh, we will see y'all then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so mad I'm missing it still. I'm so mad. You've missed all the uwu bars. There's a lot of getting kicked out of bars going on. Oh, it's so cute. You're missing on our characters, killing our characters. Wait, bars? Why is Besky in a bar? Tune in. Why is Besky in a bar with pirates? Hey, thanks so much for attending the Fae Forge Academy today. Before you go... Don't forget to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Academy, um, And also stop by Greenleaf Geek, which is at Greenleaf Geek on Twitter and Instagram or greenleafgeek.com. Get all your dice needs fulfilled. Um, uh, and don't forget that if you use the code FayForge on checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. We are also proud members of the Fandamentals Podcast Network, so make sure you go to thefandamentals.com to catch up on all sorts of pop culture and nerd stuff. Uh, they have a lot of great articles, a lot of other great podcasts. Um, check them out. And with that, I am your Dungeon Master, Steven. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore bad DM. My name is Ian Gould, and you can find me on Twitter at Ian G. Gould. Hey, I'm Chris. I like to hang out. You can do so alongside me on Twitter at Kiss of Hemlock. Uh, my name is Emily Harmon, and you can find me on Twitter at Emily J E A Harmon. My name is Michael Sinclair II. You can find me at Michael Critz on Twitter and on Twit. Hey, I'm Kai. You can find me at Twitter at Stonefly underscore Kai. My name is Adelaide Garner. You can find me at O Adelaide on Twitter and Action underscore Fiction on Twitch. Theme music by Dave Cole of the Four Orbs Podcast. For more music, check out D. Cole Music on YouTube. Additional sound effects and music found at zapsplat.com, tabletopaudio.com, and epidemicsound.com. The Forge Academy is a proud member of the Fundamentals Podcast Network. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you, and thank you again for having me on your show. You all have been awesome. Uh, before we jump into the actual action, I want to quickly um, kind of ask the players. So kind of what we had last episode was sort of an introduction, rules taught kind of feel for how to play the game in sort of a narrative way. Um, what did you all think as your first experience with uh, gameplay and checks involved? 
I really like the mechanic where we have like a hand of cards and before we play them, we get to like draw two, drop one, discard one. So it it kind of keys into that sort of like trick playing mm -hmm. aspect of it where you're saying, okay, like how can I, you know, insulate myself against like future decisions I would have to make? Like, should I play high now? Should I play high later? Apparently Ace of Spades is a good card. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that. Sorry, I should have explained that. <laughs> no, that was my no. mistake. It's funnier this way. <laughs> but I also really liked how much our character sheets just tied into not just like the math of it, but also like the, every suit means something. They're tied to different elements, which then like bring in these different aspects and these other elements of our character. So it really felt like we weren't just uh, saying, oh, I do this. It was like, okay, this is the way I approach this problem and here's how it plays out. So really good. I liked it a lot. Excellent. Thank you. Anybody else? Anything to add? Um, I am really enjoying, more so than I thought I might, um, this this kind of very open-ended, I guess, how you maneuver in the narrative and in the game. Um, I'm someone who, I love D&D, &D, I love Pathfinder, I love the crunch, I love the math. Um, I like having parameters around things normally, but it's very freeing to not, to just do what you want to do and then let the mechanics funnel that through and like make that happen versus looking at what is on you, what you can do on a character sheet and then being bound to those choices. So being able to just say like, well, what do you want to do? It could literally be anything. Um, I don't know. That's super cool. I like how this is shaking out quite a bit. Thank you. That was one of our intents. We wanted to try and make sure that there was a clear, a, a player autonomy to how they use their character and not constrained by the mechanics per se, but more guided by them. Mm -hmm. um, I too like crunchy games. When I really want to get into it, I played games like Shadowrun and D&D &D and multiple editions, mm -hmm. um, including uh, what Pathfinder evolved from. And I like them for what they are, but for what we wanted to do specifically with Omens Rising, we wanted something that was more, uh, that provided more agency to the players than what you might see in other systems. But we also know that that can sometimes be scary because it's like, okay, yeah. well, if I can do anything, I don't know what I should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I feel so. like one of the things I was going to say is, is it's making me want to want to be in something a little bit longer term because it is, it is kind of rethinking how to interact with the world and with your character and, and, and with other characters and what that looks like. Um, and I, I feel like it's, it's really well designed for something longer term where you really spend the time and work getting um, sort of engrossed in who these characters are and what the world is. Um, and you kind of learn from the, from the vantage point of the character what is out there to experience and to grab onto and to try. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, anybody else got something on their mind that they'd like to share from our, our, your first experience with the mechanics? I love the flexibility. It reminds me a lot of, um, there's very few systems that do this, unfortunately, but um, the first one that I experienced was Scum and Villainy, where you can argue what, what ability you want to use for what reason. And I much prefer that than anything else because it gives a lot of personality to the play style and just it just opens up it just opens up the world of play you know of what of what Steven said of what you can do you know 
what your limitations are. Yeah, I think I think what I like is the how you said like we have like these pertinent items mm-hmm. and these pertinent items help drive the story forward and we don't have to worry about like a whole bunch of inventory managing all that stuff and uh the everyone's able to just contribute to what's going on because sometimes in other ttrpgs like if your character doesn't meet kind of the useful criteria in that game you don't really get to do much you're kind of just sitting on the sidelines a bit so mm-hmm. this is when everyone gets to do something and uh it, it creates a more uh, immersive narrative for all the players at the table. Well, thank you for taking a minute to kind of talk about the parts of that that first interaction with it. And uh, now we're going to kind of dive in and 